Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to another episode of Cause and Effect. I am that early childhood nerd, Heather Burnt, and I'm here with Tiffany today again, finally. Hey, it seems that like other a early long childhood time. nerd? No, another. I don't know. Another. No, you're part of the nerd collective. I am. Okay. I'm that, you can be that you other. You are the nerd. I'm that nerd. You can be that other nerd. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Nerd. The, the, the B team nerd. <laughs> be my uh oh god what do you call that in the theater the person who steps in if the real actor oh not pinch hitter no it's not a pinch hitter (laughs) understudy (laughs) understudy thank you thank you that was so difficult you're asking the woman who's so pregnant she referred to chickens as cabins the other day cabins i said kurt watch out for those cabins he was like, what? <laughs> there were cabins in the road. Well, good thing you warned him. Because <laughs> that could have been a real problem. Uh-huh. Wait, I interrupted your intro. No, that's Continue. okay. I think I think that's okay. That's good. So, um, we have a longer quote this time. Yeah. It's pretty oh, wait, long. Isn't there, isn't there a change happening sometime soon? Oh, yeah. I mean, Oh yeah, so I see what you're doing. You're leading. Uh-huh. You're leading me into that thing we talked about doing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I just want I just want listeners to know we're going to be changing the name of the podcast. Um, it's going to be that early childhood nerd instead of cause and effect. Um, sometime in the next month or so, and uh, same same format, same group of co-hosts. Uh, we're just changing the name and the logo. So when you see the change you can know it's still just us yeah yeah <laughs> i'm excited because does this mean that you'll be able to tie it in more with your writing work yes and that's sort of the, that's sort of the goal is to bring the brand together yeah unify under one umbrella <laughs> i like um, it yeah so anyway thanks for bringing that back in tiff i gotcha all right I gotcha all right so <clears throat> i'm gonna read the quote but this is one you picked. 
Uh-huh. And you're the one who actually has the physical copy of the thing. So let me read the quote, and then you talk about what it's coming from, and you ready? Yep, I'm okay. ready. All right, so it's long, folks. Hold on. People who easily take offense are not thinking at all. Many have been conditioned to believe mistakenly that offense is the same as harm. If someone offers an offense, they're obliged to accept it, then the offender deserves to be punished and the offendee should be rewarded. In consequence, everyone becomes responsible for everyone else's state of mind and no one for his or her own. Not being responsible for one's own state of mind represents a scandalous preemption of the possibility of thinking for oneself and hence of philosophizing. Yeah. (laughs) That is a lot of stuff. That is, and I'm excited to unpack it. With oh, good. You. So, where did where's this uh, coming from, and who is it? So, all that stuff? this is from the latest edition, the Fall 2016 Journal of Play, American Journal of Play, that's put out by the Strong and available for for free online. I know, all the time. Exciting. Yeah, um, and this is from an interview with Lou Marinoff, who is a professor of philosophy at City College in New York. Um. Uh, and so the interview is talk, talks a lot about his um, ideas about philosophy and how they correlate with how he played as a child. Ah. Um, it's interesting because I don't, I don't, he's more about the gameplay philosophy, like organized games mm-hmm. and the philosophy of organized games. So hearing him talk about play, it's clear that he has a different definition of play than you or I would mm-hmm. or Peter Gray would. Right. Um, or maybe but even it, just a different age group that he's thinking about. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It does seem to be more adult. He talks a lot about rugby. <laughs> <laughs> you don't play rugby with your preschoolers? No. Oh. Although sometimes it does look a little bit like <laughs> rugby. Um, so uh, this quote got my brain firing because it made me realize that being offended by something is a two-way street. Mm. What do you mean and, by that? Um, so an example would be a parent comes all flustered that we're not doing ABC worksheets and I am offended that they don't understand child development. Mm-hmm. Like it just makes me so mad. And maybe I'm not at the point of saying like, I'm offended that you would even ask that question. Do you not know what our philosophy is here? <laughs> So maybe I'm not at that point, but that moment where someone comes to you and says something and then you are the one who's upset, even though like that could clearly be a moment for engagement and a moment for philosophizing, Mm -hmm. a a moment for debate, just sort of viewing those interactions as less offense and more entry point. Mm. Entry point. That's good. Well, so that's a that's a good example because that's sort of where my mind went um, as I tried to think about what kinds of things, quote unquote, offend me in my work. Um, and it's usually um, that are you just a daycare or do you teach things question from families. Mm, yeah. And I I know on some level... And I can say to you now that I'm not in the heat of that conversation. Why would they have any reason to know what better to ask? Like, yeah, they're just they're making conversation. They're making conversation. This is what (laughs) they think they should be looking for. 
Um, they certainly did not do it just to make my face turn red. Um, but in that immediate negative trigger response that I'm feeling, it's hard for me to see it as an entryway to a conversation. Yeah. Because I go immediately. But I, I see what you're saying. It's completely my it's my response that's firing that. It's not their question. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And and separating just like the quote says, um, separating your passion from that moment of harm. Mm-hmm. Like they are not trying to inflict harm on you. They are striking a chord of passion in you. Ah. And just like changing that mindset a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's like the difference between pain and suffering. What's the difference between pain and suffering? Well, this is as I'm about to have a baby. Something we talked about um, with our doula. <laughs> we're hippies and have a doula. Uh, that like pain is something that uh, happens and you're like, ouch, and then you're over it. Uh, suffering is like this mental, it's like mentally combined in with the pain and you can't see an end. Uh-huh. Get a little, what is that, a little Emily Bronte up on it? <laughs> <laughs> is she the right one? She's one of them. <laughs> all those, all those Victorian ladies have that Yeah, problem. yeah, separating the pain from the suffering. So I yeah. think that this is separating the passion from the harm. Yeah. So maybe there's a positive spin to that feeling of taking offense or whatever. Yeah. Because because if we didn't feel strongly and passionately about it, it wouldn't bother us, whatever they said. Right. And the whole point is to continue the conversation. Yeah. And honestly, that's this quote, man. So when, (laughs) when you, when you are, when you respond in an offended way, I'm always talking from the offendees side of things because I, I mean, there's definitely the type of person that says offensive things on purpose just to make you mad. Right. And that's a different thing in my mind than this, um, right. like the suddenly afflicted, inflicted offense. Mm-hmm. The offense where, you know, your grandpa says something really inappropriate at dinner and has no idea. Like, ooh, we don't say that word anymore, Grandpa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you getting mad about that will not solve the problem. <laughs> right. Or change uh, their mind. Or change their mind, yeah. Um, and so this idea that that's built into this quote about the offender and the offendee, that there's this level of punishment and reward, like mm-hmm. one of you is in the right. Right. When really, in a situation of offense, you're both coming to the table from different perspectives, right? Right. If yeah. you had the same perspective, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> so how do you? <laughs> yeah. So how do you, instead of taking offense and suddenly making it a reward punishment situation, how do you um, enter that saying like, "Oh, we clearly have two different perspectives. Let's discuss." Mm-hmm. And I think, let me get on my soapbox for a second. I think that's a big problem with uh, social media and just like the nation in general right now is that everybody has a perspective and nobody knows how to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and because you lose so much. And this is, you know, I think what Lisa Murphy would say and has said in these kinds of conversations 
outside of relationship. Yeah. It's hard to understand the tone or the intent. And on social media, relationship is really hard <laughs> like, yeah. to, to have that context, to have the conversation in where people understand, oh, no, that's not what she meant or let's 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 question further before we yeah or is this exactly the word you were looking for (laughs) yeah we have more accurate ones now (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i think i mean even in the face-to-face personal conversations i think that this level of debate and like the the level of conversation that happens now there used to be all this like um, I think about politeness or like the proper way to go about things in the olden days, in the olden times, you know, the like culture norms that like this is how a discussion goes. Yeah. And this is where the men go back to talk about things and smoke cigars. But there was, it well, was, it was almost like up. there was a, yes, <laughs> it was almost like there was a routine to that conversation. Uh-huh. And it was like there were social norms in place. How do you talk about, how do you debate these things? How do you have a debate? I I feel like yeah. totally, that has just totally dissolved uh-huh. because of the constant access. Yeah. Sorry, I'm right? processing. Wait, okay. Because there's just so much in this one that I feel like I have to stop and think through a little more than I usually feel like. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> um. And honestly, when you first sent this, which was months ago, because we've been trying to talk about this one forever. It was a lot to chew. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like it when you first sent it. And here's why. Yeah. It took took me several readings to to realize where this was coming from and what kind of offense and offender and offendee it, it, it meant. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is people who bitch and moan about political correctness. And nobody can say anything anymore because everybody's constantly offended. And Alfie Cohn has an article about political correctness being just sort of a lazy way of being a bully to, to complain yeah. about it. Um, but because I think to, to just discredit or devalue someone's feelings in response to something that they've heard that was hurtful is not what we're talking about, I don't think here like we're not saying everybody should just be able to say what like i think there's some consideration that needs to come into it at some point yeah like i understand why it's hurtful for you to you know for example i don't trigger warning (laughs) there might there's some racism coming um (laughs) i was talking to someone who i love very much Um, who was talking about football players kneeling during the national anthem and how if they don't like where they are, they should just go back to Alabama and pick cotton. Oh, what? And I was like, uh, 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 no. So that's not what we're, you know, that I think you can say, wait, let's think about what just came out of your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. And how that might be hurtful to somebody. Yeah. Or how that, you know, affects the power. I I think there's a difference. That's not what, but that's what I, when I first was reading this, that's where my mind was. So now I'm, now I'm more like just in that daily 
like the example you used. Of yeah, because I think there's also a difference stuff. between being offensive and being a, a racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think offensive Stop has like taking Heather. taking offense has become a buzzword. Mm-hmm. Where anytime anybody's feathers get ruffled, they're just like, "I'm offended by that. That offends me." Right. When really, like, that's just racist. Yes. That that's not just offensive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that that's ignorant and hurtful. Right. Right. Um, and I I think that to be offensive. Well, I don't know. What um, don't you know per- now? Now I'm I'm. Does being offensive require? not realizing you're being offensive? Like, is that part of the equation? Uh, well, I don't if think you it's know... an excuse. Like, no, like it, I don't think... Because that's the whole point, though. Th- yeah, there's all kinds of things that I have said in my life that I'm ashamed of uh, because of who I used to be in ye olden days. And uh, I didn't know any better, but that doesn't mean that I didn't hurt somebody. Right, but like, isn't that... But, is that but once what, I've being offensive means yeah yeah but once i've been presented with an alternate way of thinking about things or somebody else's perspective then i have a responsibility to either willfully continue in my offense or try to adjust myself out of consideration just to us all being humans together yeah it's not special treatment if you know that you're what you're doing is somehow hurtful and you continue to do it on purpose anyway isn't that just mean (laughs) <laughs> like is that is that offensive anymore? Yeah, is that just me. Well, it depends on the context, I think. So, <laughs> okay. so now where now where I'm thinking is, um, so me as a trainer or a speaker or a coach with people who are working in early childhood, I do sometimes hear that I have offended somebody uh-huh. by what I said. Uh-huh. Usually, it's either because I swore and they found that offensive. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> or or what I have said, I've I've been critical of something that they currently practice or currently mm. think is a good idea, and mm. so then the response is, well, that really offended me when you say that, and I don't think that's the like I don't I don't know that I have a responsibility there. Of course, I want to have the conversation because I want to understand their perspective so that we can move forward, and you know, ultimately they change yeah. <laughs> they're doing wrong and do it my way <laughs> that's not always the case sometimes i sometimes i learn and change. change yeah yeah, yeah. sometimes i do it um but i don't know that then if they say you know i you said this was best practice but i do this other thing um but then i keep talking about what i think is best practice i don't think i'm being a jerk continuing in that even though i know they might be offended why are they taking offense at that so this is this is like exactly where this quote lives in my mind right is that suddenly they have turned a healthy discourse and discussion Mm -hmm. about what best practice means to you versus what it means to them yeah and they have turned it into this punishment reward situation right where somehow you are responsible for their critical thinking. Yes. And that's BS. 
<laughs> it is. And I don't know the answer to why it is that way or, or why that's the direction we go. Um, yeah. Emotions run high, man. Yeah. Well, you know, part of it is probably on some level it's, it can be attributed to evolutionary self-preservation or something where oh, we're yeah. just wired <laughs> to hang on to our way of doing things and to feel very protective of, of the familiar. Um, yeah. But because I just feel like I've always been the, the kind of learner and worker who is always looking for new ideas yeah, and, and gets really excited about, you know, reading something new or going to a workshop or whatever, and then trying it out. And, but I also, because I also have that critical thinking piece where if I hear something in a workshop that's different from what the way I do it, I don't just automatically assume they're criticizing me. I think, well, why do I do it my way? And yeah, and if I can come up with a good justification for it, then I move on. But yeah, so it surprises me when I find that not everybody thinks and processes that way because it's so natural to me, and I don't know why. Yeah, I'm right there with you, but I I don't know. I I go back and forth for. When you're doing something that works, just like you said, like evolutionarily, man, <laughs> when you're doing something that you feel works, why yeah. would you have any motivation to change? Right. You think and, that what you're doing works. And I'm not but saying... But that doesn't motivate you to punish somebody else and take offense when right. someone does it differently. Right, right. And I'm not saying that um, if someone doesn't immediately do things the way I say they should be done, they're terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. I'm, I, but that's what, what your workshop is like. That's what the workshop is. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, instead of taking offense and thinking that I have intentionally tried to harm, just think about wh- how you do do it and what's the difference from what I'm describing. And is there a middle ground? And is there a question that could be asked? Do we need to keep the conversation going? Yeah. So how do we how do we prime people for that discussion then is my well, next question. So that's I I don't know. I I bought Does a it, it, book about critical thinking. Ooh. <laughs> and I Tell I, us the name and the author, um, the title and the author. You know, I don't have it off the top of my head. <laughs> and, what? Uh, you don't have every book that you own memorized? I don't. What kind of nerd are you? I know my iPad's <laughs> way in the other room. But I was looking at it. I was looking at some of those quotes. As I um, as I was looking at at this one, looking at some of my notes from that book, um, and one thing that that it's John somebody, John somebody. So probably if you go to Amazon and do critical thinking, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some tech support. Do you have a good rant set up that you can? Well, I just one of the things he talks about in the book is reflective skepticism, which to me sort of describes the alternate response to being offended by something you've heard that's different than what you do. And so he says reflective skepticism is present whenever individuals have to call into question the belief that simply because some idea has existed for a period of time, it must be right and the best possible arrangement. 
Anytime yeah. you have to sort of challenge that thinking. Uh-huh. Um, we're, Ooh, we're engaging. Is it, is it John Chaffee? It might be. Thinking critically? It might be. Um, he's a professor of philosophy oh, wait. at the same. No, I do have a John Chaffee book. It's a different book, though. Um, hey, say something for a minute. Oh, boy. <laughs> Talk. Oh, thinking critically. Ooh, uh, something that I was thinking about while you were talking. I had to go get uh, mine. <laughs> I was thinking about how in this quote it talks about people who easily take offense. And that might be the yeah. word that we're, that we're missing. Right. Because if you're so easy to take offense that you can't stand the idea of uh, not labeling every single organizational bin with what belongs inside of it, <laughs> and that offends you, you are easily offended. Okay, yes. But if you're the kind of person who someone says something incredibly racist and you say, whoa, that was offensive, I think that's just that's, being a good human and calling out somebody that, yeah. for being a jerk yeah yeah <laughs> i see I, and and i think so i think what i'm and what i'm talking about when when we're talking about this quote are those easily yeah you're right easily offended is what what really brings it um brings it back around because um well never mind i was about to get myself in trouble at work again oh don't do that uh-uh <laughs> So I Keep won't that tell thought that in until after we <laughs> tell me after we record. <laughs> you guys can private message me if you want to hear the story. <laughs> oh my gosh! So so what do we do? How do we develop critical thinking skills if that's not a habit people are in? Can we do it for other that's... people? Can we help other people become? Um, I John Dewey would say no, because only you as an individual are capable of learning and changing other people. Right. You can provide the right environment. Right. Yeah. But we can't make somebody learn or change unless they want to learn or change. Yeah. Um, so, so, well, here's I what just, I'm thinking. Okay. When you're going into something that you know might be controversial and you know might uh, make people question something that they do all the time every day, how can you prime them? for thinking critically instead of prime them for a punishment reward. So how do we do that? So, yeah, how do you set them well, up? So I think a piece of it is um, we have to practice a little perspective taking and imagine how it might sound, appear, come across to others. Yeah. Um. And I think just asking people at the beginning saying, these are, we're, we're about to engage in critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Some rules I like to follow when I engage in critical thinking are taking other people's perspective and um, not taking anything personally for the moment and, mm -hmm. you know, using your, just say, like, we are going to be thinking critically about this. It doesn't mean that anyone in this room is right or wrong. Yeah. Just yeah. asking them to engage in that activity might help. Yeah. The book is called Developing Critical Thinkers. Oh. Bye. I don't know that yet. I don't know that part yet. I can look that up yeah. for you. But I, so I just... Challenging was... adults to explore... 
Yes. Alternative Ways of Thinking and Acting by Stephen D. Brookfield. That's who it is, yes. Not John. The John fellow looks interesting, too. Right. I do have one of his, too. Yeah. Is um, Critical Thinking the adult version of play? Or one of the well, adult versions? So, hold on. I've got four components of critical thinking. Oh, okay. According I to Stephen Brookfield. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. but this, this might tie into your question. So the first is identifying and challenging assumptions. So yeah. that's that reflection and that, why do I, why did I react that way? And uh-huh. um, challenging the importance of context. Um, critical thinkers try to imagine and explore alternatives. That's playful. Yeah. And then that imagining and exploring alternative leads to the reflective skepticism that I was talking about a minute ago. So certainly there's a playful component, I think, or skills that come up in play that also come up in critical thinking. Yeah. Which is, I I mean, I think that's, maybe that's part of why we're seeing so many adults who aren't, comfortable or in the habit of thinking critically is maybe because of the fact play that deficit. they, yeah, their play deficit or just the, the school culture that doesn't necessarily honor or value critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And now all those people are adults and they only know how to go to stations and get a <laughs> sticker when they do the right thing. Right. And they don't know how to say, I don't need a goddamn sticker. <laughs> this is not a good idea. I am offended by your sticker. <laughs> yeah. 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 I wonder, so the critical thinking, I love that. I'm totally going to have to buy this book. Thanks a lot. That's um, okay, because so I'm looking Boss- for someone to write an article with me about this book. Oh, delightful. So get it. Okay. Read it in the time you're going to have. All my free your, time. All your free time once this mm-hmm. baby comes. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. today. We haven't talked about how today is my literal due date. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Keep bouncing on that yoga ball. I'm going to bounce on this yoga ball all day long. <laughs> uh, so Bev Boss says the head, the heart, and the hand, right? Right. So is critical thinking the head part? Hmm. Well, so what? I mean, one of the aspects of the head in order to know a thing. Right. So Bev says if it hasn't been in the head, the heart, the hand, it can't be known, right? That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to have a shelf in your brain to put the new thing on, I guess. Yeah. So. And like engaging with something with engaging with something on a mental level. As opposed to a physical uh-huh. or like intuitive level. Right. Does it require sort of thinking about it in this way and challenging it and testing the limits of it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And comparing it to what you already know. Yeah. That whole assimilation and accommodation thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have I asked you before if you have read much about schema theory? Or no, have heard much about it. Uh, I know a little bit about yeah. it, but not enough to nerd out. Yeah, no, I've just sort of started to get interested in it. But the books are 
not from the states and they're expensive the books oh. i'm looking in they're from australia i should have had jeff and tasha ah do you have a jstor account on books i don't even know what a jstor is oh girl <laughs> <laughs> what kind of nerd are you <laughs> uh, i'm a you nerd probably who get recognizes through, uh... i have much to learn <laughs> you could probably get them through an interlibrary loan yeah but local. then i can't keep them oh right which is you're into that a big piece wow. of my book booking although i have recently opened a hoopla account what's that tell I, me about that so i can check digital books out from my local library oh cool so i use hoopla for that so see yeah i'm not the only one who doesn't know stuff oh oh big nerd <laughs> so anyway schema theory yeah kind of ties that? into that um, just the idea that part of our cognitive development is developing schema and putting uh-huh. new information into existing file folders. And, yeah. Who came up with it? Yeah. Is uh, that Vygotsky? No, it's not Vygotsky. Piaget. It's not. Well, Piaget is assimilation and accommodation and schema. Okay. That's where it comes from, but that's not who these books were. Gotcha. I don't know. But it starts with gotcha. Piaget. Yeah. Okay. I get them confused. Yeah. I don't I don't have them in my head in my heart in my hand yet. <laughs> well, we need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. This book I'm writing will help you. Oh, lovely. Um okay, so what else about about this offense taking offense? I just I I myself need to spend some time more time thinking in terms of the shared responsibility between the offender and the offendee. Yeah. Like it's not enough for me just to say that's really annoying that that offended you. Yeah. The the reality (laughs) is that they were offended. The reality is there's a disconnect. And if I want to continue in relationship or want to affect anything or influence anything, then I have to step away from being right, which is not easy for me. Yeah. And uh and really be open to that other perspective. Yeah. So what about with kids? People who get offended by things kids do. I was like, kids taking offense? That's not a thing. No. No, 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 no. No, but like, you know, teachers who take, take behavior personally. personally or take a child not wanting to do what they had planned personally or mm. I I think that person really needs to learn more about child development. Yeah. That's and a whole read Tamar Jacobson's book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get so upset, yes. crazy teacher who was offended by something a three year old says in earnest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just because I'm just having so many conversations right now about challenging behavior. And it's so obvious that, that teachers really personalize that instead of seeing it as development. Yeah. It's more of a... So, so I mean, we can go back to our engaging critically with them. Yeah. Talking about... Hi, hey, it sounds like uh, we need to work on what it means to be a support role mm-hmm. to a child who is learning how to navigate this. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. So, but at timing, it's hard to change it when somebody gets offended that easily. I know. You're offended by a three or four year old. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess the the one of the first decisions is is it worth it to pursue? Do we really think there's a chance of this changing? Um, but it's hard to have the conversation in the moment is what I keep coming back to in my head. So finding ways to revisit without making it seem like you went back to your office and stewed for a while and now you want to hash it out. Yeah. Finding a time to get back to it with somebody. Whether it's a coworker or... I think there's value in going back and stewing for a minute. Because then you can come back and say, it seemed like you were offended by that. I want to make sure I understand why. Oh, right. So, yeah. So, but on, and on your part, you can say like, I, I felt offended by that and I had to take a second and think about why. Right. But that's, so that's different than what I was thinking of when I said go okay. back and stewing. I just meant like sit in your office and work yourself up so that you, you know, convince yourself you're right and then never. Oh, go yeah, back yeah, to yeah, yeah. That's, that's not helpful. But yeah, just saying, and I've done that as a supervisor. I needed some time to process what mm-hmm. happened earlier and now I want to talk about it now that I'm calm and that's good modeling mm-hmm. too. Um, I don't know. We got to figure out this critical thinking thing, how to help people, how to model it, how to coach it. Yeah. How to move people in that direction or at least give them the model and hope yeah. that, that folks will follow. I think that, uh, my world is getting kind of rocked right now in multiple ways because I think that's the entrance to adult play-based education. Uh, you have to develop these critical thinking skills uh-huh. before an adult can engage in true playful learning themselves. For, the, for themselves, not for themselves. as a teacher of children with playful yeah. learning. And just like you would get a kid, you everybody has those kids who shows up at the program and is like, I don't know how to play. What do you, mm-hmm. what do you mean? I'm supposed to just go make something or <laughs> yeah. create something or pretend or what? <laughs> yeah, tell, give me a craft to do. Mm-hmm. Damn it. I think adults need that more than anybody. And we assume that because they're adults, yeah. they can figure it out when really if they're adults and they haven't had these skills developed, it's going to be harder. Mm-hmm. In fact, to teach them. Well, how cause, to yeah. Cause there's all the unlearning that has to happen. Yeah. Before, yeah. they can, before they can start to learn this new thing that you're presenting them with. Yeah. Hmm. Ooh, and I'm thinking now about all the staff that I enjoy talking about work with. Mm-hmm. And it's all the people that can be critical thinkers. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we just like we push each other to be better in yeah. the process. There's a I, I do know the name and authors of this book that I'm about to talk about. So. Oh, I'm progressing. Good job. There's good a book. job. You did your homework. There's you a get book. a gold star. It's super easy to know this one, though. It's called Learning in Communities of Practice, Reflecting in Communities of Practice. And it's by Margie Carter and Deb Curtis, who I love. And Art. you've heard me mention them. Yeah. Um, but they talk about the concept of having a critical friend. And that's not critical in terms of um, criticizing you or telling you all you're doing wrong but your critical friend is one who challenges and pushes um so like you're my critical friend tiffany oh you're my critical (laughs) friend (laughs) because when we do these 
you know, you, you will say, well, what about this? Or, you know, the whole playing devil's advocate or thinking about it in a different way. Um, and those are, those are the conversations that everybody grows through. Yeah. Because it's not, it's so easy for me to get on a soapbox and just preach to you what I think about something. But if nobody ever questions or challenges or adds to, then I'm going to, I'm just going to be level. I'm never going to grow myself. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's, that's why I really miss, um, like locally here we have, um, we're supposed to have a local branch of NACI. So there's the state level and then there's like a county level. Yeah. And it used to be that people wanted to come to those and we'd have monthly meetings and everybody would really talk and, and nobody wants to do that anymore. And I think part of it is because we have social media and we can have those conversations without leaving our house. Um, but I, (laughs) but I think part of it too is the people that I've seen come up in the field after me, um, don't crave that connection the way that I did. Yeah. And I don't really know why, but I think we sh- we need to find ways to get back to that where we're just having critical friend conversations. Critical friend. <laughs> yeah. I think I see myself as going through different phases uh-huh. constantly. And that's what growth is to me is like right. going back and forth between the critical friend and challenging phase uh-huh. where I want to make sure that I'm, thinking critically about what my practice and what I'm doing and uh-huh. is this the right decision and I want people to challenge me on that right and then I go through the phase of validation where it's kind of like after the critical thinking mm-hmm. now I want I want people around me that are doing the same thing so that I don't feel like I'm an island on my own Lillian Katz yeah <laughs> yeah that's Lillian yeah. Katz that's her oh. stages of teacher development yeah. Yeah. So, because that's what, you know, it's four stages that we talk about when we're talking about her stages of teacher development. It's survival, consolidation, renewal, and maturity. But but they're not, you don't just get to maturity and stop. Right. Because then you're back in survival. But you go back and forth between that renewal, consolidation. You get new information, you consolidate it, renews your practice. Yeah. It's a, and it's, it's a, a cycle. cycle, even though yeah. it's a list of four. So that's what you just yeah. described. She finally accepted my Facebook friend request. Oh, do you feel like you're touching greatness? No, I feel really embarrassed because I feel like she's probably like, who in the world? (laughs) I guess it was probably like a pity friend accept. It's like, yeah. One of those like, well, she's got like lots of mutual friends of mine. Right, yeah. Sure. (laughs) Sure. She's friends with, well, I guess I could trust her. (laughs) Looking at the mutual friend list. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Someday though, someday. I know. We'll Do you have a real life um, a list of people that you really want to meet before 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 you die? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Lillian Katz is one of them. Um, a couple I've met, but I want to hang with, which is a little different. Yeah. So like Dan Gartrell and Holly Elisa Bruno. Uh, I wish I could have met Jim Greenman, but he is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. I don't know who's on your list. Uh, Lillian Katz, mm-hmm. absolutely. Tamar Jacobson. Oh yeah, oh, she's so cool. Yeah. Who else is on my list? Uh, 
Oh, uh, Emily Plank is on my list. Oh, yeah. She... <laughs> um, we're also Facebook friends. Uh-huh. But when she, when she accepted my friend request, she sent me a, pers- a private message that was like, this is just my personal page for my work. You should really follow this. And linked me to her professional page. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then I felt like a super stalker. <laughs> uh, oh, Teacher Tom, Janet Lansbury. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's put both of those on the list, too. Janet Lansbury, uh-huh. both because I love her, but also her husband is Angela Lansbury's nephew. Yeah. And I think she could hook me up with Angela Lansbury then. Definitely. Who I also want to meet. Definitely. Are you a big Murder, She Wrote fan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> my my friend Netflix. and I were... Yes, it is. My <laughs> friend and I were talking about uh, Murder, She Wrote and how clearly Angela Lansbury is the murderer. Because <laughs> there's like... She is involved in all the murders. In this tiny little town. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm having similar feelings about Father Brown right now. Have you watched oh, that one? Oh, no. I'm not watching much anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, No, I'm watching my crazy or crazy ex girlfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. I did a couple of those. I'm relating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Uh, Crazy ex girlfriend kind of lost its charm for me after a while. Yeah. Well, I I was really into it, and yeah, I I can see it's going in that direction. Yeah. We seem to have ended our podcast. Oh, we. I am offended by that comment. (laughs) Okay, well, we're going to do some more thinking and reading and talking about critical thinking, and we'll probably do another episode there. If if we offended you in any way during this podcast, just leave it in the comments. And And we we ask you to think critically about (laughs) why you are offended. We will engage with you. Engage, yes. And uh, we will consider that a point of entry. Yeah. For that. There I did I it. did I bring it around sufficiently? I love it. Yeah. Okay. Full circle. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks Tiffany. Thank you, Heather. And thanks everybody for listening to another episode of Cause and Effect. We'll see you again. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.